For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> this is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Man, I almost forgot what that open sounds like. Good to be back with you guys here on Birds 365 after a week's hiatus. First one in 100 weeks. We're back and we will be here for you all off season long into the regular season. Not planning on going anywhere other than right here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You've got Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. How'd you enjoy your down week, Johnny Mac? Uh, glad to get some rest back at work. That work is rest for me, Jody. As I said before we left, I, I would have a big to-do list. And uh, yeah, it was too big. Okay. Too big. All right. So now we put you back to work with us rather than the wife at uh, Shea McMullen. And man, we got plenty to talk about because a lot came down during the week we were off here on Birds 365. So we can go in reverse order of what happened most recently, because I thought, all right, we got a full week to review. A whole bunch of things happened during that week. Yeah. And then yesterday, a lot of uh, rumors and possibilities being mentioned and one specific action taken. And that would be the separation between the Eagles and Denard Wilson, who was a finalist for their defensive coordinator position. He did not get it. That went to Sean Desai instead. And that became official while we were out last week. So we've got to talk about that. But first things first, the I guess you would say it's not surprising. I, I thought there was a possibility that uh, they, they could keep him under wraps and keep him on the staff. But uh, I guess a little bad blood uh, under the bridge there. And they've decided to part ways. Uh, from the best of your knowledge, his choice, their choice, agreed upon, time to move on thing. How did it play that uh, Wilson is not coming back to the Eagles as any defensive coach? I mean, if you 
if you listen to Nick when he talked in Indianapolis, it was pretty clear at that point he was not going to be back. To me, it's common sense. I mean, if you get passed over for a job like that, you're going to move on. Um, that's what I expected. That's ultimately what happened. It's interesting because Marcus Hayes tweeted out something. I tried to get him for the show, but he's busy. Hopefully we'll get him later in the week. Um, uh, about Denard sort of pledging his allegiance to the organization. And I, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to flesh that out further with Marcus. I will at some point as well. But, um, you know, it, it came down to two guys. And it's interesting because, you know, if you listen to Vance Joseph's people, well, you know, he thought he was getting the job. If you listen to uh, 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 Jesse Minner's people, he thought he was a finalist. <laughs> From what I was told, it came down to Sean Desai versus Denard Wilson. Ultimately, uh, Nick Sirianni decided the better way to go was Sean Desai. He mentioned experience in his comments in Indianapolis. He's been a defensive coordinator. He's called the defense. Denard has not at any level yet. So that's part of it. It's a difficult decision because Denard was very popular. Certainly, right before they hired Sean, you had Darius Slay going on social media, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Marcus Epps, uh, notably, all sort of publicly endorsing Denard Wilson. So that's a difficult decision for the head coach. Obviously, Denard's very popular inside the building with the players. Doesn't mean he's the best choice. Doesn't mean he's the best choice, and that's also what Nick said. I got to do what's best for the football team. And ultimately, this is, you know, it's been pretty much you get past the, the start, which was pretty rocky, the two and five start. I think we can all agree with that. Uh, but once you get past that start, it's been pretty much peaches and cream for Nick Sirianni. This is a decision that will sort of, I don't want to say define him, but people will keep an eye on this. And if it doesn't work, he's going to start getting some criticism. Um, but it was funny. I was texting somebody from the Eagles yesterday confirming that Denard was leaving. And he's, he's like, you know, so many of the fans hated the coverages and now they want Denard. It's like, which one is it? Right. Which one is it? But, you know, that's just part of it. So I think because the players like Denard, all of a sudden that resonates with the fans. Sean Denard Desai is very well respected around the league. I, I think people are going to be happy with him when they get to see him, when they get to know him, but we'll see. I mean, it's up to Sean Desai. This is now Nick has made his decision. This is now up to Sean Desai to prove he was correct. That's basically where we are. And uh, the Desai thing didn't become official till uh, after you and I took off for the week. Um, we know that he's from the quote unquote Fangio tree and coached under Vic in Chicago and shares a lot of those uh, same beliefs and philosophies and how best to employ a defense. Sirianni in his uh, after season, after the Super Bowl loss press conference, did say he was open to change. There are certain defensive principles that he wants his defensive coordinator to have for them to share, but he was going to be open-minded about it. But then he went out and hired a Fangio guy, so it doesn't look like there's going to be a whole heck of a lot of change here. Do you think that he can even be more Fangio than a Wilson would have been, 
who just adopted that when he came into the uh, Eagle organization. He hadn't necessarily been that type of a coach and around other type of coaches and defense quarters and the other stops he had before he came here. Do you think his tie to the way that uh, the quote-unquote Fangio defense plays is what got the side shy, the job? Yeah, I, 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 you know, you and I talked about that on WIP. I, I always thought he wasn't, he likes the philosophy, you know. I'm, by the way, I'm going to ask you a favor, you know, uh, tell me to put a quarter in the swear job when it was, was swear uh, jar whenever I say scheme. I'm going to call it philosophy from this point forward. I'm going to try to call it. Really? What's your problem with scheme? They, they're because, both the same to me. Because, because it, to me, they're not. They're okay. You know, everybody's different. And I brought up the the offensive side. You, you can look at Nick Sirianni calling plays versus Shane Steichen calling plays. It's different. Same offense, but it's different. Same philosophy, but it's different. So it's going to be different. To me, the 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 question is: Nick likes the philosophy. That's why it was here. Um, a lot of offensive coaches like the philosophy. We can debate that. We have debated that. I don't particularly – I think we're past the tipping point. I always say there's a tipping point. Tony Judge's cover two, there's a tipping point. All the copycats. Pete Carroll's uh, cover three, there was a tipping point. All the copycats. I think we're past the tipping point, to be honest. And, and Vic Fangio said that in Miami. He doesn't like everybody that's playing his defense uh, because he understands there's a tipping point. And I think too many quarterbacks have seen it. Too many quarterbacks understand what's going on when you're doing it. So you have to continue to evolve. But the basic philosophy of limiting explosive plays, uh, winning the turnover battle, which is all common sense, really. Um, and and they feel this is the best way to do it. That That's not changing. Um you know, Sean, if anything, Sean's closer to Vic than Jonathan Gannon was. Jonathan Gannon's closer to Brandon Staley, who also coached under Vic. And their sort of philosophy of the defense is the same. Uh, Brandon Brandon Staley, Jonathan Gannon. Sean's a little bit closer to Vic, and, and so he would be more true to the, the strict mechanics of the Vic Fangio so-called defense that we talk about way too much because way too many teams in this league play it, to be honest. Know that uh, you think that it's gotten past the tipping point. That that you've certainly made clear with uh, the listeners here on Birds 365. And, yeah, I miss reading you guys on the stream. We've got some good streamers, got some wacky streamers too, but I miss <laughs> reading the guys on the stream. I got news for you guys. Um, we, we got a couple of just glad it's not Jonathan Gannon guys already joining us today. Just remember you heard this here first, and you should have heard it elsewhere before I ever said it, and John just alluded to it. To blitz or not to blitz, that is the question. And I think one of the reasons why Jonathan Gannon was not the most popular guy here was because he didn't blitz. Philadelphia Eagle fans love the blitz, Johnny Mac. They have for 35, 40, 50 years. I thought the goal was sacks, Jody. I, I try, I try and say that every day here on Birds 365. And to some people, it just doesn't sink in. No. I'll make Did it I even, right I, now. I see like I'm getting the I love Jonathan Gannon crap, which I always get. So, you know. 
Did I say anything nice about Jonathan Gannon? <laughs> That's a, oh, I I did I barely mentioned the guy except he was the defensive coordinator of the Eagles and in the philosophy and scheme they play. Um, the the whole we talk about that word. We talked about that word scheme. I'm trying to change philosophy. Aggression is not a damn scheme. What I mean, what what is wrong with you people? You just got seventy sacks. That's the goal. The goal is to get 70 sacks with four rushers. Then you're really cooking with gas. Right. And I, I like crunching the numbers, and the numbers were phenomenal this year for the Eagles in getting the job done, getting home, getting to the quarterback, putting him on the ground. You can't replicate what the Eagles did this year. Well, I'll tell you right now, next year, under uh, Mr. Coach Desai, they're not getting 70 sacks. No, they are absolutely not. And they are not going to blitz. If you're just talking about percentage of plays, they will blitz less this upcoming year than they did the last year. Now, that one, I'm yeah, I'm only about 90% sure. The non-70 sacks, I'm about 99% sure. Yeah. But if you track uh, Deshai and his one year in Chicago, he didn't blitz as much as Gannon no. did. So if you're still celebrating the fact that Jonathan Gannon will not be the Eagles defense quarter, you might be buying into someone that you don't like as much as Gannon three or four games into the season. Well, yeah, if your only goal is blitzing, if you're a betting man, I would take the under. Um, But and and to be fair, the Eagles aren't weren't getting 70 sacks if, if JG was back. It's just not happening again. That's part of the problem as well. The expectations are so out of whack. Um, you know, 70 sacks isn't good enough. Franchise record isn't good enough, Jody. It's not, you know, I mean, because you lose in the Super Bowl. I thought we would get to this point, honestly. I thought we would get to this point. We joked a lot about the five stages of grief before we left. I thought we'd get to the point of acceptance and people would start to realize, hey, we were in the Super Bowl. That's pretty good. It's, it's disappointing. But it's pretty good uh, when you take a step back or take two steps back and and look at the realization and say, all right, you didn't play well in the final 30 minutes of the Super Bowl. That doesn't erase everything else that happened during the season that got you to the Super Bowl. I think there's this weird, it, and you tell me because you're on talking to the callers all the time and you're doing God's work there, by the way, Jody. Um, it, 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 the, I think the assumption is, well, we'll get back to the Super Bowl. And if we get back to the Super Bowl, we just need a guy who's going to do the right things in the big moments of the Super Bowl. How many times have this organization been in the Super Bowl, right. Jody? It's, it's not a free pass back into the Super Bowl. It's going to be difficult to get back there again. Not impossible, but difficult. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, some people you just can't, you, you can win over, but then you can turn around and lose them back just as quickly. All right. One other thing that popped up yesterday as I'm um, getting my notes together for the first bird street, 65 in 10 days, Matt Patricia to join the Philadelphia Eagles staff. <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? How the heck does that make sense? And we know that one guy who we believe is going to be back, the Eagles aren't going to get drastic. And with the free agent they have, they're not going to cut Darius Lair, try and trade Darius Lair. Oh, by the way, that wouldn't help them all that much under the cap because they'd have to take this pretty big dead cap hit. So don't don't even go there. 
Um, yeah, Darius Slay and Matt Patricia don't get along a little bit. He's still under contract to the Patriots. Shooty was their de facto offensive coordinator last year. Why? Only Bill Belichick knows for sure. But he's been a pretty damn good defensive coach in his day over his career in the NFL. Come in as the Eagles linebacker coach? Really? Uh, I'm sure this didn't come out. The reporter in Boston's a pretty tight end reporter, so it didn't come out of left field and isn't just made up in whole cloth. But this one just doesn't make sense to me, John. You got to explain at least the the thought process behind something like this even being talked about. Well, the thought process is he's a good uh, coach, a good football coach. And even Darius Slay will admit that he knows his X's and O's. But yeah, it's very strange. I mean, Slay is not shy at all. He does not like Matt Patricia, even a little bit. Feels he disrespected him uh, back in their days together with the Lions. That's a team captain. That's a Pro Bowl cornerback. It is a strange situation. We all assume the Eagles are moving forward with Darius Slay and they're going to lose James Bradbury, which I think ultimately is going to be the case. Um, I don't know how those two can coexist other than, you know, they won't be in the same position room, obviously, but uh, Matt in theory would have a big impact. And and I've heard the name Mike Petton as well. We're going to have Jeff, Jeff Mosher on in, uh, from Inside the Birds on the show in the second hour. He's he's he, him and Adam Kaplan are, are are plugged in when it comes to the coaching. So we'll get some intel from those guys. But um, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense to me. It's a positional coach job. Um, why upset one of your better players, one of your team leaders, one of your team captains, or you're counting on? Um, now a lot of these things I just mentioned with Vance Joseph. You know, if you saw the stories coming out when Vance took the defensive coordinator job in Denver, you'll see a bunch of stuff. Well, he had a decision between Denver and Philadelphia. No, he didn't. The Eagles weren't hiring Vance Joseph to be the defensive coordinator. That's one-sided coming from his camp. Wasn't happening. Did Was he get two interviews, happening. though, John? If, if got, they were if they were two, doing Everybody gets two show. interviews. If I, this is another. Everybody got if you got two Zoom interviews, which again we talked Zoom with what the first one was with Nick, or I don't know what the first one was with Nick and one was with Howie and Jeffrey. He's a big name guy. Look, the Eagles are famous in NFL circles, or some would say infamous, I always point out, for their exhaustive interview process. When they do interview people, they interview them for a bunch of hours, a bunch of times. They put them through the grinder. And a lot of it is, I'm not saying they weren't interested in the guy. They were interested. But it was, you know, more pick his brain, probably more, okay, how can we in, better integrate some more aggressiveness with this particular scheme? You know, half of it is just learning about what the rest of the league is doing. I'm just saying he was never going to get the job. And, and if, if, if you look at, the the stories when he when he took the Denver job, it was like he was almost making a decision between the Broncos and the Eagles. He never got an offer to be the Eagles defensive coordinator. He didn't even have his in-person interview at that point when he That's took true. the Denver job. So I'm just saying, and then you have Jesse Minner as well. 
and I don't even know where this one came from, but evidently some fans think Jesse Minner was a finalist. I don't even know where that came from, to be honest, Jody. I'm sure somebody reported it somewhere. I can't keep up with other reporters. I mean, it's always the case of, of, of the agent of the coach kind of spin as he should do spinning his his client in the best way possible it was always going to be Sean Desai I told you that early in the process versus Denard Wilson they didn't want to change the philosophy those were the two guys rooted in the philosophy they wanted to talk to the college guys because the Eagles are very understanding and they're at the forefront of, of sort of understanding the new stuff from comes from college so they want to pick guys' minds at that level who are doing some different things. And they want to, you know, they're a very smart organization. But, yeah, I mean, it was always going to be Denard Wilson versus Sean Desai because they wanted to keep the same philosophy. In the same way it was going to be Brian Johnson as their uh, offense coordinator. That's exactly what happened. Uh, that was funny. Uh, quickly, I know we got our, our first guest, Colin Thompson, scheduled to join us. Coming up in just a couple minutes. Uh, Howie and Nick both spoke out in Indianapolis. I thought they both did a real good job. Nice to see Howie's out of his depression phase and had a little smile and a personality to him. A couple of attempts at humor that fell flat on their face. Nothing Always do. With, nothing new with that. Trying. He's back trying. in there as, as Howie the jokester. Um, but Nick uh, talking about uh, the interview process and, and deciding on their coordinators. And the Iowa State offensive coordinator, whose name was Nick, and he couldn't even think of the guy's last name. Houseman, it, it, it's a difficult name. So, <laughs> oh, come on, you got you, you interviewed the guy to be your offense coordinator. You got to be able to come up with his last name. Come yeah, on, it's a, Nick. It, 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 it's a difficult name. Okay. But yeah, that you're, tells you're you. Cutting, you're cutting mean, more slack than I am. Well, I, as as we explain, you have to um, adhere to the Rooney rules. So you had to interview. Uh, a uh, minority candidate candidate from outside the organization, even though Brian Johnson is a minority, you still had to do it. And Nick is very close with uh, Matt Campbell, who's the head coach. So he went that direction and you get it done. And, and that kid, by the way, is 32 years old. He gets his name out there in NFL circles. So from that point, it's a win-win, but yeah, it was always, you know, the offensive side, it was always going to be Brian Johnson. The de- de- defensive side, they were open to other avenues, as obviously they went with Sean Desai. And we're going to have our buddy Colin Thompson here in a minute, who was with Sean Desai in Chicago. So I believe Colin is going to have only good things to say about oh, Sean. But well, who knows? We'll have to punch him <laughs> up to find out. But yeah, you talk about Vance Joseph really never having a shot. Oh, the Iowa State offense coordinator had less of a shot to get well, a coordinator position that, than Vance, Vance Joseph. Vance you talk no about window that. dressing. That's yeah. all that was. It was Brian Johnson's job uh, from the time that uh, the now head coach of the Indianapolis Colts signed on the dotted line and Sean Steichen, uh, Shane Steichen walked out of town. All right, he's uh, McMullen on McDonald. That makes us Mac and Mac Birds 365. Glad to be back with you guys. Uh, looking forward to our first guest. Since our return, and an old friend who has been here on the show with us before, NFL tight end and former Owl, Colin Thompson, joins us here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. 
Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action news and AccuWeather. The team you trust. Birds 365, time to return to our guests. Looking forward to uh, filling up the uh, slate with all good insiders and insights today. We get that right out of the bat from a guy who played in the league, knows it well, former Owl and Panther Giant. We can run to all the teams that he's played for. Still waiting for him to get that Eagles knock. Uh, Colin Thompson joins us here on Birds 365. Been a minute, Colin. How you been? Mac and Mac. Two of my favorites. Appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, good to see you, Colin. Uh, you too, buddy. Yeah, you, you, you probably saw in the green room. We're talking about aggression. We're talking about blitzing. You're a tight end. Oh. Uh, yeah, all these. Can we just put the rest. Like, oh my God, that please. Everybody ask me. Oh, you know Sean Desai. He went to Temple. Is he going to bring pressure? <laughs> <laughs> like what? First off, if you know the Eagles. 
and you're an intelligent fan, they don't need to bring pressure when you pay no, that much money in your front four or front five. So to answer your question, is Sean Desai going to bring pressure? I have no idea. But I know this. He's going to run a five down front. Hassan's going to be standing up. They're going to have a probably a freak on the backside too if they don't have one already. And they're going to be stout in the middle. So it's going to be a five down look. It's going to be all the stuff that Vic Vangio did, I'm assuming, with like they did with Cleo Mack. It's going to be a lot of fun, but the pressure, the four, three, like even B Doc, who I have a ton of respect for, met at the Maxwell Awards, like absolutely freaking love this guy, like literally changed my life via a conversation. Like, you talk about someone who gives you the time of day, it doesn't have to. Yeah. Give me like 30 minutes just talking about lifting in season, and him and I are going back and forth. And he's like, they need to blitz the safeties. And I, this, I'm like, I want to be like, hey, Brian. <laughs> are you walking around the building down there? Do they have anybody like you or John Lynch or like these hall of, and they have great defensive backs. Eagles have a fantastic defense. I just, it's an uproar game. Yeah. It's It's a different game. How many times Colin, do you see a four, three, you don't even, you don't see three linebackers on the field. The the whole four, three versus three, four trope. It drives me insane. Pressure because we got Jim Johnson. You have no crap. They had, Literally, a whole, their whole defense, like everybody in Philly wants everyone to go cover zero, blitz the house, and go man-to-man coverage, and then complain about the DBs getting beat over the top. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. come on, come yeah. on, guys. It's, that, yeah, that's why you pay Hassan Reddick a ton of money. That's why you bring in Sue and Joseph, and like that's what their job is. So I digress. All right, uh, and thank you for digressing. It was interesting. Uh, B-Doc and other former Eagles who have opinions on how the defense should be played today aside – Coaching in the NFL 2023, upcoming season, uh, last season, the season before, Eagles have made some significant changes to their coaching staff out of necessity because guys got opportunity to be head coaches elsewhere. The relationship with the coaches and the players, how long does that take to develop? Is this something Eagle fans should be worried about because it does take time? And they had the great continuity last year with no changes to the staff. How big a hurdle is this for the Eagles at, uh, when they open up camp this year? I think it depends on who your head coach is. And obviously in the Eagles position, they have one of the premier relationship building head coaches in the NFL, you'd assume, right? Because, and I don't know him, I don't know the organization, but just from the outside perspective, he's not calling plays and he's got great relationships with players, <laughs> creates tons of energy. And I think too, it also matters like who your veterans are, who your quarterback is. And then organization, like who's your GM, who's your owner? So there's a lot of really good boxes checked there for the Philadelphia Eagles. And and that's just fact. So if you're going to be a really good team and the Eagles plan to be for the next decade, like they have been the decade before, they're trying to – teams are going to come, you know, pluck their coordinators. Um, And you have to be able to hire really good ones behind it. And I think they really hired a good one in Sean Desai. So relationship-wise, when it comes to Sean Desai, you're getting no better of a man, no better of a father. No better of a connector than Sean. I met Sean when I was with the Chicago Bears in 2017. Um, John Fox got fired. Sean was retained in Chicago. Vic was retained. Vic Fangio was retained in Chicago when Matt Nagy came in. Sean and I connected because just like anything as a player, you're trying to connect with a coach and, and, and get kind of caught on to guys. And Sean was running the scout team offense as a defensive analyst. And he's a temple grad. He's like got 40 degrees. The guy is, 
brainiac, right? There's a few guys in coaching, right? Like I played with Mark Trestman, who's like a lawyer, right? They're like different professions they could be elite at, but they decide to herd cats and, and coach football <laughs> and, and have more life other than football. So Sean is an amazing person. Like literally, I spent time with him before our game in Seattle this year on this, and we talked for probably third. I wasn't playing, I was in the practice squad. So I walked out and I always, you know, walk around and see the guys I know and on the other team, the staff, the players. We talked for, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes about Pete Carroll, about the Seattle organization, what they do well, how are you doing, what's your plan? You know, he's hiding, of course, close to his vets, what he wants to do. But I know he wanted to be a coordinator again. And then to get back in Philly, a place he knows really well, he's going to embrace it. And I think he's going to put players in the best situation to have success, just like any coordinator tries to do. So, yeah, relationship-wise, if you're referring to Sean, it, it – it's going to be fantastic uh, because everybody loves Sean, coaches and players included. From a from a player's perspective, Colin, what do, what do you look for in a coach? Uh, and and you know, a position coach first, and then a coordinator. Because you know, the Eagles, we know the season, we know where they went. They're in the Super Bowl. They collapsed defensively. Uh, in the final 30 minutes, Jonathan Gannon gets the head coaching job in Arizona, and all of a sudden, C.J. Gardner-Johnson saying, you got to put us in better positions to succeed. Now, from the outside looking in, Colin, I'm saying, you were in the Super Bowl, right? You had a career year. Somebody did something. I mean, maybe C.J. did it all himself, but as a, as a player, is that do you think that's just frustration? What are you guys looking for from the coaching staff? I can't really just yeah. really, – I don't know what's going on with it, with that. I mean, I see it, the tweet, it's emotional. I don't know I even know how to unbox that, honestly, just being factual. I don't think anybody really does. I think from the outside in, you think it's emotion or it's upset or whatever. He had a career year, right? He's, I see – I keep seeing on the ticker on NFL Network, he's one of the top, whatever, yeah. 15 free agents. Yeah. So he's doing something, and he's a good player. I know him from Florida. So, you know, when you're looking for, like, that kind of continuity between a coach – a coordinator, a position coach, really for me on a personal level, a social level, they know a ton of football. They know a bunch of scheme. They know of you as a player previous. So Sean's going to come in and say, I really like what you did last year, you know, uh, uh, Hassan, you know, I really like this system. I what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I think, you can be a coordinator and come down to a player's level and have that personal conversation about life. Sure. But then about football and then how as a player, you're going to make me better. And then how as a coach, I'm going to make you better. And I think when you have that symmetry, and again, it starts back to our previous conversation of who's your head coach. Does your head coach empower coordinators? Does your head coach empower position groups? Cause some places, Hey, listen, the head coach may run the whole show. The head coach may call the offense. The head coach may leave your position coach, 15 to 20 minutes of, of individual meetings. And then some coaches may have 20 minutes or two hours of individual meetings where we're meeting with a tight end coach for two hours. We build this unbelievable rapport, tight knit room. So it's like the balance inside the room that a lot of people don't talk about too, in the building of where's the allotment of meeting time to build those relationships. And I don't know those questions. It's probably a great question for me to ask coach Sirianni because it's like, what's your philosophy on longer individual meetings? Because, to me as a player, I really enjoy them because you oh. really get to learn a lot. Go ahead, Jody. 
one thing that I think you got to give Sirianni credit for is he empowers his coordinators. That there's no question yeah. about that. Within five games, he turned over the play calling to Shane Steichen, and everyone knew from day one that it was going to be Gannon's defense, and Sirianni wasn't going to be overruling what he wanted to do. So that's a major uh, strength for the Eagles. They've got the right guy in place to do that. So let me go there with their new offense coordinator, Brian Johnson. Uh, and Nick did a very good sales job when he talked about and made the official announcement out in Indianapolis that he was a major contributor to all the coaching meetings when they were putting their weekly game plan together, that he was on the headsets on Sunday and was a contributor there as well. But he's never called the place. And just my opinion, and I know John and I share this one, Shane Steichen's a damn good play caller. Man, he really blossomed in his year and change calling plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. Other than Nick say so, why do we think Brian Johnson's going to be a good play caller for the Eagles? We know he's going to have a great relationship with the quarterback, which is important because it's been in place for 20 years, but he's going to actually have to call the plays on Sunday. Why should Eagle fans believe there's not the Eagles are going to be able to go on and without skipping a beat? be the same offensive play calling team they were this past year. Who's your offensive line? Who's your quarterback? Who are your gadgets? It's all about control? the players, huh? You got the right you got yeah. the right horses in front of you. Is that what you're telling me, Colin? Who's Jimmy's the gadgets? And Joe's, Who are this baby? It's not X's and O's, it's Jimmy's and Joe's, man. And okay. listen, you it it pays I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from a signal caller. Every signal caller would say the same thing. It's real easy to call plays when you're running an RPO and the offensive linemen are double teaming the three tech up into a linebacker's lap. And the quarterback's like, should I pull it? Should I hand it? Let me just hand it here and let's get 12 yards. So I think <laughs> the Eagles have really built personnel wise, no shocker, top four, top five roster in the NFL. You can argue maybe one. So um, on the coordinator side, I don't think people understand and, and you, I, you guys do, but, Assistant coaches are heavily involved in game planning. I mean, we we they come up and do a whole presentation. This is what our third downs. The quarterback coach doesn't even call plays. This is what our third downs going to be. Tight end coach goes up. Guys, this is what our red zone is going to look like. Here's our top five calls in the red zone. Running back coach comes up. He's talking about protections and what what checks we can get out of it. So they're all kind of sharpening their sword in a way all season long on different phases, different things, different protection, different blitzes. Here, we saw this. We played Atlanta week one. We're playing Atlanta week eight, too, because they're in division for the Eagles. Dallas did this week one. We're going to save this for week 10. So there's this constant – they're always getting that repetition. Excuse me. They're always getting that repetition. So, again, I get it. He didn't call plays. I'm sure the preseason, they're, they're going to be putting them in spots to call plays during practice. They're going to be putting them in spots to call plays in the preseason games, you know, challenging stuff. So I think it'll be fine. Uh, he's going to put the work in, I'm sure, and the staff's great. And the staff that comes in underneath him, now that he's promoted, is going to prop him up and help him out too. So it's a joint effort. It's not easy calling plays, and the guys that can do it are really good. Um, and I, I truly think it's Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. Yeah, it is. You and I agree on that, Colin. It, it, it's a personnel-driven sport. And I think, you know, football more than other sports, you know, coaching matters. But – I mean, Andy Reid's one of the best coaches of all time, and I've seen him have bad seasons. Uh, it's not like he turned into a bad coach that season. If you don't have the talent, it's really difficult. We saw, we see it with Bill Belichick now. Yeah, it's it's easier with Tom Brady than Mac Jones and everybody else. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. Um, So I agree with you with personnel, but then it comes down to when you get in big spots and, you know, we go back to Super Bowl uh, 57 here in Philadelphia and we say, hey, you know, I look at the raw numbers and I say, they gave up Patrick Mahomes 182 passing yards to the best quarterback in the world. Now, if I told you that before the game, you'd probably go, oh, the Eagles are probably going to win that game. Turnovers. They didn't win that game because uh, a, a player, and I know I'm putting you in a bad spot, but if you go back to Super Bowl 52, where the Eagles won, Brandon Graham makes the strip sack late. A player made a play. They still gave up 505 passing yards to Tom Brady, but a player made a play in a big spot. I love Jim Swartz. I think Jody knows. I, I think Jim is great. But that's Brandon Graham. Go get the go get the quarterback on the pass rush, make a play. He did it. They didn't do it this time around. To me, it's as simple as that. Do you look at it different as a player? Well, there's a couple things to unpack there. One, the play was made, but it wasn't made by the Eagles. It was and you could say maybe it wasn't made by the Eagles, or it was because and Jalen will tell you when Jalen's scrambling on yeah. the RPO and pulls it. He's got to have two hands on the football. He's got to tuck it right. And that ball popped out on him. It didn't just pop out of his hands. They made the play to force that out all season long. He's been pulling it probably and running with it. And you know, nobody was home. Well, the Super Bowl, everybody's got that stuff. Boom. They popped the ball out. They scooped and scored, and they made that play that changed the game. Eagles, in my opinion, looking at things, how they train, you know, it should have, should have continued to be maybe a two score game. Maybe they come back because Mahomes can, throw and and they can navigate offensively like no one can moving the football down the field but like you said john i mean how many passing yards they lay up against the best passing offense in the nfl maybe on paper but uh, pretty everyone's pretty scared of it so no i think it's a great point i think it's overreactionary it was making eagles fans awesome i think it's but at the end of the day guys it's like man that was a great super bowl they lost by three and I think it's the beginning of something special in Philadelphia. I do. I don't think it's any secret around the league, the way they're built, the draft capital, the players. It's going to be interesting how they handle the quarterback situation moving forward, though, financially. Really? I mean, no matter who Jalen is, whatever, it's just quarterback X now. Do you max yeah. a guy out? Yeah. Right? Do you franchise tag him? Do you, God forbid, trade him? Right? Like, what – what now it's a serious uh, don't say that don't no say but that. i mean the point not. is like right you see it all over the league yeah now. What do you no mean? you do you know yeah. we're gonna see quarterback movement but the eagles one thing howie roseman said in indianapolis colin and i thought it was interesting because we always talk about you have these windows and the eagles had this window to build this great roster because they didn't have to pay the quarterback now they have to pay the quarterback but howie said something interesting you know, the only thing better than not having to pay the quarterback is essentially wanting to pay the quarterback. And they now believe they have a superstar and they have no problem paying the quarterback. And they're going to give him 48 to $52 million a year, average annual value. But you know what? Three years from now, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, everybody keeps coming down the pike. That deal's going to look like, you know what? You never say, it's hard to say to people, Forty-eight million dollars isn't that much, but yeah, but you got to look at years from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. four no, years. it's interesting. Now. Like you, it's a great point. Like we want to pay that guy, of course. When he's your guy, you pull the trigger. And I'm not saying he wasn't the guy. It's just the entity of the quarterback position in the NFL today. Even if you are a star, 
i.e. Lamar Jackson. There's a lot of conversation about it. <clears throat> so, no, it should be interesting to see. I think when the Eagles draft so well, especially what they do on the front, really front four of the defense uh, and, the front, line. and the front five of the offensive line and what they've done there and the big trades they're able to make too to fill up gaps where things maybe not have worked too, like a, like a Brown receiver. So it should be, I think, I mean, again, Cowherd, everybody gives them kind of crap for it, but it's like, who's your owner? Who's your GM? Who's your head coach? Who's your starting quarterback? I think you can argue the Eagles are in the top three in that category. Yeah, so it is very important to having yeah. a winning organization. All right, Colin, this has been a story, a narrative, call it what you want. Uh, and you kind of touched on it, but I want to hold you down even more. So mm-hmm. the quarterback and his new contract. Should the Eagles expect a discount, a bargain, uh, slightly less for the good of the team move from Jalen Hurts or should Jalen Hurts get every last penny the market calls for in his next contract with the Philadelphia Eagles? Real short and sweet. He should get every single dollar and every single penny that's absolutely available because it's your second contract. My beef with guys is when it's your fourth and fifth contract and you're still right. maxing yourself out. And then you look around and you're like, where's all my help at? That's where, to me, it's like, okay, well, I mean – you're taking that kind of money. I'll say this about Jalen, too. We were talking about this some last night. Would you rather have a quarterback that's been really good to great for the first five years of their career? Or would you ever rather have a quarterback that has gotten better every single year? And it was funny, you know, again, in sports talk radio, how oh, Jalen, the deep ball. I'm like, this is great for this kid because Jalen gets better. You don't just squat 700 pounds, those videos, like, overnight for fun. Like, that guy is extremely dedicated to his craft. And anything that he's going to have a weakness at, he's going to work on. So that's a guy who's going to work on his weaknesses like crazy and build his strengths up. So, yeah, like Howie's saying, you invest every dollar in this guy because they see – not because of what his performance is. Of course, the performance shows itself. But they see the kind of – the feet under the water with the duck, meaning what goes on in the facility, how he handles himself, the film – He's got commercials now. Like, dude, it doesn't even matter. The guy's just an assassin. So that's a great question, Joe. I just think that type of guy, he's worth every penny. Yep. At Colin Thompson, TU, those Temple guys, you guys are thick as thieves. Sean DeSize, a former Temple guy, like you said, Colin, he's got about 47 degrees. I, mm-hmm. I do want to get in the weeds with you about the so-called tush push as a tight end uh, because you'd be one of those guys pushing the quarterback ahead. Now, Eagles fans are very upset about this because they had so much success. They sort of innovated this philosophy. But I kind of look at it as a little bit counterintuitive. I think the Eagles should want it banned for this perspective, Colin. I don't think Jalen needs it. I think it's an insurance policy with Jalen – Whereas I think every other team, they're going to copycat it, and their quarterbacks, for the most part, need the help. I don't think Jalen needs the help. I think the Eagles should want it banned. That's a great point. I'm a tush-push guy. It's old school football. (laughs) Because if you're not going to do the tush-push, right, then you can't push players after. Like, for me, it's all about protection of players. Like, great, tush-push, first down, awesome. Now you could say defensive players, but you're not really getting a head start. So, like, we used to do one-on-one drills at Temple, and me and Hassan Reddick would line up literally nose-to-nose with each other, and Rule would say go, and we would snap off on each other. But, like, you don't have that much momentum. So you're really not, like, putting yourself in jeopardy of, like, head injury or, like, shoulder stuff because you're six inches apart. 
So in that, when they're crowding the ball, defense is pretty much all sides, right? And it's okay. Yeah. Part of it. You know, there's not a lot of momentum. So for me, it's like, if you're going to ban that, then some other things have to go too. Because when a tight end catches a ball at eight yards and here comes the offensive lineman to help you up and make sure you don't go backwards, that saves you from concussion, separated shoulder, breaking an arm. Like the whole thing is like, don't let the running back fall backwards. Like that's a standard in the room. So if he bounces and he gets hit at four yards, like we are trying to push him and not trying to, of course, trying to get more yards. We're trying to hold the guy up so he doesn't go backwards. So I'm a tush push guy. If, again, you're gonna you're gonna stop a rule because it can't be stopped. Like I don't know. Like really, like load up the defense. And the problem is defensively is you're screwed in football nowadays. Like you're yeah. Oh yeah. You're, you're gonna do oh, tush push yeah. and then we're gonna send a guy in motion and run jet sweep with yeah, yeah. with Brown around the outside like or yeah. whoever Devonte. So it's like. Well, what can you do as a defensive coordinator? It's tough. And Saban talks about it all the time. He's like, I used to let up. I think our average was like 12 yards a game. And I was like, that was our standard. If anything more than that, I was pissed. I think the standard now is like up to 21 points a game. I saw yeah. him talking about it on yeah. YouTube. So these defensive coordinators, man, God bless you. Uh, defensive coach, defensive players, all these, all these helmet to helmets, all these penalties on the quarterback. People think they're just a flag on the ground. Those guys are getting fined like yeah. 30 grand. Like that's everyone. Oh, they make millions. BS. Split in half because of taxes. Take an agent fee out of it. In Philly, if you're a professional athlete, there's a tax on that too. Yeah. You're not yeah. walking around with that much money as people think. And then you get whacked for 50k on a on a on a paycheck. You're like, huh? I'm playing for free this week. So it's um, yeah. You know, it's again. I'm not saying feel bad for us, but man, these defensive guys, I do feel bad for them. And oh, by the way, CJGJ got his fine in the Super Bowl. We're sitting there. Yeah, we got his money yeah. back. So yeah, hey. most times you got to pay, but every once in a while you get a little John bit Runyon, of a break. He made, he made a call. Hey, John, come on, buddy. Yeah. And, and, and it worked for him. So good on him. Uh, two last questions for me for you before we let you run, Colin. Uh, and I asked this one of basically everybody we had on uh, throughout the playoffs leading up to the Super Bowl. And it's uh, well suited for a guy like you. I watch the Kansas City Chiefs all year, not every single play, but enough. And then you see them in the playoffs because they're in there. Everybody watched entire games at a time. And Travis Kelsey not only gets open, he gets wide open. And you know that he's Pat Mahomes' number one target. And you would think those oppressed defensive players slash coaches and everybody else would go, all right, the one thing we got to do is not let Travis Kelsey beat us. And he does, and he gets wide open on so many plays a game. The Eagles actually did a good job. He only got six catches in the Super Bowl, 81 yards in the touchdown, which is not bad, but only six catches only. is actually containing Kelsey. How the F does this guy do this? Week in and week out, not only get open, but wide open. And Mahomes could just float the ball out to him because there's nobody within five yards of him. What does he have that, I'm sorry to say, the rest of you tight ends – don't have well i think he's a hall of fame receiver i don't think he's a hall of fame tight end first off and that's no disrespect to travis the guy is an elite if not the best wide receiver in the nfl period i mean i'll say this and here's why it's allowed again who's your coach who's your quarterback he doesn't play by the rules his routes are short they're too long like on the playbook i know someone for a fact in kansas city they say, don't watch Travis when you're trying to learn the playbook. Yeah. Because he I say play. that all the time, Colin. I say, the, yeah. yeah. 
Go ahead. He John. just he and Patrick have an unbelievable feel. And they he don't does, by the rules. You saw it. Yeah. You saw it in Kansas City on that two years ago. Boop when they were down like whatever they were playing. Who uh, was a Buffalo? Yeah, Buffalo. Buffalo. I, Buffalo, I yeah. texted my buddy Ryan Bates, who's yeah. a Wood guy, Penn State guy, former yeah. Eagle. They traded, and he's a starting guard yeah, for yeah, the yeah. Bills. That's how good the Eagles are at taking off its alignment. But I digress. I said, "Great win, bro. Let's go Super Bowl bound." Nine seconds left. They went down the field, and I'm like, "I'm so yeah. sorry, buddy." So. My point it is, was, it, it was like sandlot football. It yeah, was he like, ran like yeah. a little drift route. Yeah. He ran a little in when he was not yeah. even supposed to do that because they're trying to get out of bounds. Yeah. Like, Andy didn't even bless it. So my point <laughs> is, as a defender, like, if you're a defensive back or you're a safety or a linebacker guarding him, the, you play by the rules. Okay, he's at 10 yards deep here. Okay, what's he going to run? Corner, he's going to break in, or he's going to run a seam. Can't run much else. You can run a stop. He'll do some whack shit and just <laughs> – and roll out of it, spin, and be wide open over the middle, catch, yeah. tuck, and he's explosive enough to hit it for 50. Yeah. So you're like, and he'll jump over you, he'll run through you. Yeah. So I think the fact that, A, first off, he's extremely gifted. He works extremely hard. And then the other fact that a part of that offense and who the quarterback is, too, like this is an um, – even like Joe Burrow, who like is an elite quarterback. But Patrick Mahomes is elite. And then he does things that are so off the cuff. Crazy. Yeah. And I crazy throwing against Andy, his body. Yeah. yeah. So I think Andy su- supports it, obviously. And um, I think he he doesn't he plays by his own rules and, and allows him to have success. Like he runs his shallow routes like across the field. He runs them in like one yard. They're supposed to be five to six. He'll catch it at one and bend it to five. Like he he just does yeah. it. The linebackers are waiting to jam him from running across the middle. He runs right through the heels of the defensive lineman. So yeah, I and, stole and, and Colin coaches. You still coach kids in Cape May, yeah. right? At times, oh, yeah. we t- I'd say build three to five yards across the field, six yards. You're going to look and you're going to open up a little bit more. It's going to bring you back down. So set the angle for six. It's going to yeah. bring you back to four. But I stole the way he runs shallows from him, and I get open now because of it. So thank you, because I'm slow and fat. <laughs> so thank you, Travis. It is amazing, though. Like I always say with Steph Curry in basketball, if you're trying to teach a kid to play basketball, don't show him Steph Curry. Don't. Uh, don't show him Patrick Mahomes. Don't show him Travis Kelsey, because they do shit that other people can't do. Um, so they I'm with permission. They have permission to do it, which I yeah. think – is unique in professional sport, any sport where you have a, you know, a governing body for lack of a better term above you saying, this is how the positions played. This is what you do. Not there. At, you know what I, at before one more for you at not for long media, uh, which I love the name, by the way, Colin, I still Thank need you. my hat. I need a not for long media. Hat. We'll but much. anyway, um, I always said, you know, as a player and Colin's a free agent, by the way. So how we get on the horn. Uh, you need some competition behind Dallas Goddard. But um, it, it when you do your media stuff, how did that go over in the building in Carolina? Obviously, you were close to Matt Rule, but how, mm-hmm. how did that – because, you know, sometimes you get pretty vocal. You know what? The hardest show I ever did was after the Eagles game, and we lost, and it was one of my worst games I ever played. And And that was really hard for me. Because what can I go on here and be happy, lucky about? Like, it was, it's a shame that it was the Eagles because I probably would have moved on quicker, but it still sits with me because you want to play well, get your hometown team. And, I, and, and you know what? It was, it was little things that I lost sight of. 
and and I didn't play the game I wanted, but it could have been against any team. That happens. The NFL, it's the hardest league in the world. You're going to lose reps um, against really good players that get paid a lot of money. So my point to it was that was my hardest time, John. But no one ever said like, hey, because I never take hot takes. I'm never on here like pay this quarterback, don't pay that guy. Um, I have co-hosts and I have people that have other shows that we own that may say what they want to say. And I allow them to say it, but that's not a reflection on me. I take it that way. It's not out of my mouth. As long as you're being respectful and, and you're being courteous and you're not breaking those rules, I'm good with it. So um, it went over fine. You know, it's funny. I do this, the Sam Boners, you know, food reviews all the time and they get the most traction out of all my <laughs> podcasts I've done forever. You know, I got Dan Morgan coming up to me, you know, our assistant GM, Panther, Bills, stud yeah. player, Miami. Great linebacker, right? Great, line, great yeah. guy. I love Dan. And Dan's like, dude, those cheesesteaks, let's go. And I'm like, man, I've been podcasting <laughs> forever. And no one says a word. But, you know, I think, again, how's it go over in the locker room? I don't ever go with people, right? Like, even with, with Chauncey, like, I don't know the situation why he's tweeting. Yeah. So, I don't get involved in it, you know? Yeah. He's, it's his own career. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really do hot takes, John. And I don't try to really be disrespectful to anybody because we shouldn't. I shouldn't be. It's not in my role. And then if I end up with another team, how can I speak about another player? You know, it, it's a kind of a fraternity in that way until I'm done playing. So, you know, I, I sat, I'll be honest with you. <clears throat> I talked to our uh, Jack Connell, who run, is our producer, and he does a Ross Tucker show too. I'm like, Jack, Eagles this year, buddy. They're going. It's Eagles in Minnesota. I thought Carolina, we had the team, and I thought the Niners. Um, but, you know, and I wish I could do more of that because I would I would be hitting home runs with some of that. It's real easy once you're in the league, I think. Like the playoff picture is crystal clear every time. So um, long story short, it's a great question. It, it goes over fine. I think it's more promoted now by the play, you know, by the organization, the players and the social media. Like they're encouraging you to get out and do stuff. So as long as I'm not crossing that line, I think I'm okay for now. All right. We'll I'm going to pull you back into the building for my last question. Okay. It's that time of year, watching the combine this week, everybody with opinions about players, quarterbacks get more attention than anybody else, and people want to get their opinion out there on the Pay quarterbacks. The bill, baby. Bring that salary cap. Keep talking about them. All right. Um, <laughs> last year, I was a Matt Corral fan and thought that the Panthers got lucky where they got him in the draft. This kid could actually be a starter. He gets hurt in his last game in college. Gets healthy, comes into camp, gets hurt again, out for the entire year. So nobody knows nothing about Matt Corral. I don't even know if he's still breathing. You he's need breathing. to tell me, is the kid a potential quarterback in this league? I think he is. And I was able to rehab and train with him. I had a couple of Knicks this year. So, you know, you spend time together in the dark days with a couple of guys. You get to know him a little bit when you're on the stationary bike inside the bubble and the whole team's outside, the music's bumping. Hey, you won two in a row and everybody's, you know, happy-go-lucky and you and like four other guys are sitting here like, man, I'm dying to get back to play. And you really learn about a lot of guys that way. Sure. So I learned a lot about Matt. He worked his ass off. You know, he had a crazy injury in preseason against New England, I believe it was. So, uh, no, I'm a fan of Matt personally because I really think personal, how you are as a human is going to show as a player. It really does. I mean, look at, again, i.e. Jalen Hurts. So uh, I think – I think Matt's an NFL quarterback, and I think he'll be fine. It's going to be interesting to see what they do in Carolina. Really is. I really, truly believe. I'm not even on the roster anymore. I think it's one of the best rosters in the NFL. Obviously, this year, things were kind of hectic in multiple ways, in a lot of key positions, head coach, quarterback. 
uh, running back, star running back leaving. So, or getting traded, I should say. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens down there. But they got a really, they got a really good roster. Uh, they got a class act as a head coach. I can tell you that, Frank. Frank yeah, I've yet uh, to meet him. So I'm excited yeah. for what they got. Hopefully, I can end up back down there. I'd love to be back there. Well, you're gonna end up back here on Birds 365 with us. That I can guarantee yeah, you. you uh, thank you very much for jumping in with us today. Gives a lot of time. Uh, wherever you do land, surely we're gonna be on top of it with you, and we're definitely bringing you back. Appreciate you jumping in today, Colin. Thanks. Hey, thank you, Jody. Good to see you there. J-Mac, as always, appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, that Colin. Colin Thompson, NFL tight end, uh, practice squad player for the Panthers this year. Still open to land someone this upcoming season. And, man, does he know his stuff, except for the last thing he said. Panthers, one of the best rosters in the NFL. He, he got a little too ingrained there this year. He enjoyed himself, enjoyed his teammates a little bit. Yeah, much. well, those are his guys, you know. I, I do think they're better than what they showed last year from a from a talent perspective, but that's one of the reasons they moved on and Frank Reich is the head coach down there. So I do think they have – they got to get the quarterback right, but it, I do think they have an opportunity to, to have sort of a bounce-back season. But, you know – I because I've talked to Colin behind the scenes that he, he was on the Eagles, he was on the Vikings, who had a good team, he was on the 49ers. Um, it is kind of clearer for guys in the league, they they kind of know who the good teams are, except he added the Panthers there at the end, which I'm going now. I don't know whether to believe his Matt Corral story or not that Corral's a player because I really did love the kid coming out of college. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. College, and he just had a completely waste first year. We shall see. I right, Johnny Mac, Jordy Mac, the Mac and Mac Bird Street 65 guys. Quickie timeout coming less than 20 minutes away. Jeff Mosher inside the birds and uh, inside podcast inside the birds.com going to join us here on Bird Street 65. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit at pond lee hockey we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you with over 250 years of combined courtroom experience We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action news and AccuWeather. The team you trust. Appreciate Colin Thompson hopping aboard with us. He's a buddy of John's. John does shows with him down the shore over the years. Uh, just a, a good dude, smart dude, uh, generates good opinions here on the air with us and still fighting the good fight to try and get into the NFL and uh, spent this year on the Panthers practice squad. So we truly appreciate him jumping in, did a great job for us. As will Jeff Mosher, who's going to join us now, less than 15 minutes. Uh, he of uh, InsideTheBirds.com podcast, uh, everything else. Always good to talk to Mosher. Been a couple of weeks before we talk, since we talked to him. All right, here's what I want to talk about till Mosher joins us, uh, Johnny Mac. The defensive backfield position for the Eagles. Um, most people believe that James Bradbury is going to get a deal that is going to be above and beyond what the Eagles can afford to pay him. It'll be a very good year that we remember that he spent here in Philadelphia making a Pro Bowl, making all pro, helping the Eagles get to a Super Bowl. But poof, he's going to be gone. Uh, and Eagles are going to have to replace him. And I would suggest that they do not have his replacement on the roster right now that uh, he will be replaced by someone who well, isn't... they don't have. Yeah. They don't have Carrie Benson or Mac McCain any longer. Yeah, they <laughs> Just got cut short there. And sorry, we're, we're, we're Mac fans. Zach, Zach Mac or Zach Mac, whatever you want to call him. Uh, yeah. We don't think he's quite up to the task. We'll see if that's the direction the Eagles go. Uh, they'll either be bringing in another veteran, less expensive player or more likely drafting a cornerback with a high pick, like maybe number 10 in the <clears> draft. <throat> and I did specifically watch all the cornerback workouts at the combine. And we always try and keep the combine in its proper perspective. It's not the be all end all, but it's part of the evaluative process. Anybody jump out at you as far as the corners with their workouts? Did the, 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 the <clears throat> at least get to a lean position in the cornerbacks or at least in your eyes? Did you, as far as if the Eagles take the first cornerback off the board, who that should be? Well, I, I 
I think the best thing from the Eagles perspective was the quarterbacks, not the cornerbacks, because the quarterback, I mean, Anthony Richardson is the guy who's going to be, you know, polarizing in, in draft world, but he's not, he's not polarizing in the NFL world. He's going to be a top 10 pick. He's just going to be a top 10 pick. And we know, We know Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are going to be top 10 picks. So then you have Will Levis. Is he going to be a top 10 pick? Probably, depending on, you know, where some of these veteran guys do. So all of a sudden, if you have four quarterbacks in the top nine picks of the draft, well, that gives the Eagles a lot of, 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 of sort of wiggle room when it comes to the top corners. I don't think the top edge rushers are going to get to them. That'd be the other position they would consider. So it comes down to corners, and you might, there's an outside chance you might have an opportunity at all of them, um, and the first corner could go off the board at 10. I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, Detroit may take a corner. Um, you know, it's a, Detroit has is an interesting team because Jared Goff played well, but do you believe in Jared Goff long-term? So are they even in the quarterback competition? Who knows? I don't think they will be, but I, I think they might be in the cornerback uh, uh, competition. I, I look at, at uh, Christian Gonzalez and <clears throat> Witherspoon as the two top corners. Um, and ultimately, I know a lot of people locally are going to go uh, Joey Porter uh, from Penn State. I'm, if I'm the Eagles, I hope one of those two are there and that's who I take. Uh, the only thing that could be a curveball is, as I said, if one of the edge rushers falls, it's what the Eagles are. How we will tell you all the time, offensive, defensive line, offensive, defensive line. And they believe in that and they should believe in that. But Couple of years ago, I think people don't realize, and everybody's happy with Devontae Smith, and they should be happy with Devontae Smith. Devontae was the last player in sort of the mix that they wanted at 12. They started, remember, they started at 12 and traded up. And who they really wanted was JC Horn or Patrick Sertan. And they both went back to back, and all of a sudden the Eagles are like, oh, there's only one player left, and they made the move up to get Devontae Smith. They wanted a corner that year, and they weren't able to get him. Um, so, you know, it's time. It's time with cornerback. I agree. It's unfortunate because I think if they had a fair shot at a Bradbury, if I didn't think he was going to get a uh, above-market-value type deal, I would say – uh, run these two guys back again for at least a year, if not two, Slay and Bradbury, but uh, chances are they're moving on. And they're going to have to replace maybe not one, but two safeties that uh, if Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is going to get a surprisingly well above uh, offer, uh, and there is some some rumors that there are teams out there that not only like him, but love him, which is going to make his resigning difficult. And also that there's interest in Marcus Epps out there. We, we believe that Blankenship can step in and take one of the safety spots. If the Eagles don't use the franchise tag on 20 Gardner Johnson, you and I discussed this the week before we left, and you said you think it's highly unlikely. 
I give it a little bit more chance. Uh, I think it's at least a possibility. And they got to make that call by tomorrow. It's the end of the offer of the franchise tag uh, period in the NFL. They're going to be able to replace both of them if they lose both safeties, yeah? <clears throat> Um, Well, I don't think they will. You know, it's one of those things. They want CJ back. Uh, but if they don't get CJ back, I think they'll sign Marcus back. So it's one of those things where I think they're going to lose one, uh, but I don't think they're going to lose both. And certainly they don't want to lose both. Um, and, you know, I feel the same way at offensive line, more tied to Jason Kelsey's retirement or non-retirement. If he retires, I think they're going to get Isaac back. If he doesn't, I think Isaac is going to leave. So, mm -hmm. and and linebacker as well with T.J. Edwards and uh, Kaiser White. Um, they want T.J. back. Uh, if they're not able to get T.J. back, I think they'll get Kaiser back. And I, I think it's sort of that, you know, all right, we can keep one, but we can't keep both. At each of those particular positions, something catastrophic happens. And I, I think the Eagles are going to be really disciplined with C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and I go back to last year. One, they're a number – they're a disciplined team to begin with. You know, they they just are. And I go back to last year. They wanted Marcus Williams. They wanted Marcus Williams badly, who – and Eagles fans don't want to hear this. Marcus Williams is a better safety than C.J. Gardner-Johnson. C.J. had a great season, splashy season, a lot of interceptions, still very young at that particular position, whereas Marcus is more – you know, um, um, finely polished, uh, I'll say. It's a better player. Um, and they really, really wanted him. And they had a, a number set. And Baltimore went above that number. And they said, all right, Godspeed, you know, do what you want. And he had a good season in, in Baltimore. And he's a good player. He's a really good player. Um, so is CJ. But that doesn't mean they're going to make him the highest paid safety in the NFL. He doesn't deserve to be that. And if if somebody wants to come in and blow him out of the water, I, I, I don't I think the Eagles are going to be disciplined. And uh, speaking of how you look at Chauncey Gardner Johnson, uh, I saw this in our buddy Ruben Frank's observation column. And it goes back to pro football focus, which John and I both like, both use. We have guys from Pro Football Focus on. It's one of those things that at times I check their ratings and their evaluation system and I go, damn, I'm glad someone else sees it the same way I do. And then I'll check some things and go, what the hell are they looking at? I don't see it like that at all. So you, you put whatever emphasis you want on Pro Football Focus and the job that they do. 20 Gardner? Ranked out of the 123 safeties that were ranked this year in the NFL, number 58. Yeah. He's just about in the top half of all safeties. I watched every single snap that the Eagles played this year, and I thought he was pretty damn good and should be much higher ranked than that. If that holds the water that we think it does across the league, our Maybe we're just because we got to see every play that Johnson Gardner made last year is maybe the best hope for him to come back to the Eagles that the rest of the league doesn't think as highly of him as we do here in Philadelphia. Well, some, you know, that that, as I said, I don't think they want to make him um, the highest paid safety in football. 
And that's what he's going to look for. And my comparison for CJ is, is Trayvon Diggs in Dallas, um, different positions. But what I mean by that is Trayvon makes plays. He makes, he just makes plays. And that's very important. I always use the baseball analogy. That's like a home run hitter and home run hitters are more important than singles hitters. They just are. Um, and NFL teams value that playmaking ability. Gardner Johnson has tremendous, but he's not consistent. That's kind of what I'm talking about with Marcus Williams is a more consistent player. Is he as splashy? No. You know, CJ led the league in interceptions. He missed five stinking games. I mean, he made plays, and that's why I bring up the Diggs comparison. Same thing with Diggs. He makes plays. He also gives up plays. And that's sort of where you are with C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I, you know, if, if it's $12 million a year, sign him. If it's $15 million a year, be disciplined. Go, go in a different route. Resign Marcus Epps. Hopefully, Reed Blankenship continues to develop. Uh, but they want C.J. Gardner-Johnson back. Uh, but you got to be disciplined about it. I agree, and I think the Eagles will. And the story you told, and I know we, I remember discussing it during free agency, leading up to free agency, that you had said your sources told you the Eagles really liked Marcus Williams, and they were making a big effort to get him. He ended up signing top-of-the-market deal with the Ravens last year, and they, they moved. there was a point that they moved off him and said, we like you, but we just think this is too much to pay for that position. And we'll see if the C.J. Gardner contract comes down that same road for the Eagles. But the the problem is, and you pointed out, uh, the three different positions where the Eagles have a couple of questions. Well, the Kelsey thing isn't – it's a question for him. It's not a question for the Eagles yeah. and how they evaluate no. it's, it's whether Jason decides to play. But interior offensive line, linebacker, safety – they got two potential holes and they'll get one done and the other one, they're probably going to have to separate. Uh, you know, I actually feel the most worried about the safety position because if the worst case scenario is both guys get out of town because they get offers that the Eagles might not be ready or willing to match. I'm more worried about safety than I am linebacker or the offensive line. I, I think they're well, going to get... You, you talk about pro football focus, by the way. You don't want to see Marcus's grade. Oh, his grades were not... bad, too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. His really? His grades were really bad. I'm looking it up. Uh, let's see. His his He was near the bottom. Um, so I do think, you know, I don't think Marcus is going to break the bank. It's another one of those stories where... Obviously, agent is going to talk him up. Marcus was 71, uh, the 71st graded uh, safety. Really? Very, well, very, not far behind CJ, who's the only 13 back, 58 to 71. That's not good for either of them, and I disagree with both of those grades, but uh, the, the, the Gardner-Johnson one surprised me more than the Epps one. Uh, CJ was 46. I don't know where. I'm still not great, but, uh, you know, CJ was bad, which is again counterintuitive for people because we just you talked about with Colin in the Super Bowl, the big hit. He's not very good in run defense. Again, big hit doesn't mean you're good in run defense. It means you get a big hit every now and again. And Marcus's issues were in coverage. Um, 
you know, Chauncey was a great coverage safety, as you would expect. He's a cornerback playing safety. Uh, and Marcus was really good in run defense, but really poor in coverage. So that's how PFF saw it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't think Marcus Epps is going to get a ton of money. I think someone's going to say, hey, this is a starting level safety, and we're going to try to sign him. But if, if what I'm trying to say is if CJ gets top of the market money, and the Eagles say it's too much. I think they'll be able to get Marcus back. We shall see. Uh, the backfield, defensive backfield for the Eagles is one that's going to be in transition. And this is uh, that time of year where those questions start to get answered. We are only one week away. Less than a week now. It's next Sunday. The best oxymoron in all of sports, legalized tampering, yeah. uh, starts on Sunday, which leads to free agency, which is next Wednesday. Yeah, your Birds 365 guys will be on it each and every single day here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We're going to get a helping hand next. Jeff Mosher from InsideTheBirds.com, Inside the Birds uh, podcast. will hop aboard with us. Uh, as John mentioned earlier, he's pretty tied in on these coaching moves and what's happening around the league and the like. Uh, we got a bunch of things to run by Jeff Mosher. He's going to jump aboard next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. 
plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action news and AccuWeather. The team you trust. Appreciate you screaming in here on Birds 365. Yes, you've got your Mac and Mac guys in front of our Ocean's uh, backdrops, Ocean's Casino, with our green screen. Because he doesn't have a green screen. Jeff Mosher can wear a nice white starch. Yeah, shirt. how about looking, that? Looking good there, Mosh. Very nice. You see the Great. hula dancers? You got, I'm, I'm trying to like bring this warm weather uh here yeah try to bring that into existence that's yeah, right i mean you got the I'm a little tired, there yeah. people and they would love the warm weather to come and what a great place that is so yeah i'm just trying to dress it into existence very, very nice you're doing a hell of a job i uh do want to start here because again you're you're very well connected around the league and uh, you you get sourced information and stuff like that is there any truth to the rumor that Darius Slay once grabbed the pencil from behind Matt Patricia's ear and tried to poke his eye out with it. <laughs> and if that didn't happen in Detroit, could it happen here in Philadelphia this year? I cannot confirm, nor can I deny <laughs> that that scenario might have taken place. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's obviously friction there. And um, if Matt Patricia is going to be a coach on the Eagles, and um, you know, there's a really strong possibility of that happening. You have to wonder if maybe Nick, who's done such a great job of managing, you know, adversity and personalities and egos, even though Matt Patricia would not be coaching Darius Slay, I think the wounds are so deep that you would think that someone has to have an intervention, Nick Sirianni, with those two guys, sit him down, talk about the betterment of the team. And and I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I do know that when guys go through the experience that Matt Patricia went through in Detroit and they fail miserably, it can change them. You know, I mean, you'd have to see, you know, <laughs> is Josh McDaniels as much of an egomaniac in, in uh, a lot of I think Vegas he is. He, was. he might be, but like <laughs> everybody said, the team was going to quit on him and they went up yeah, for their last true. five games. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I think a conversation could probably help smooth things over. And the fact that Patricia will not be coaching slight is probably a big deal. But if, if Patricia sat down and said, you know what? I was wrong. I said this about you. I was clearly wrong. You made five Pro Bowls. You, you deserve all the respect you can get. I was wrong. I would think that that could be something that would be, you know, moved on from. But that would have to probably happen first. Yeah, it is interesting from my, because Slay is not shy about it. I mean, he does not like Matt. And he was on social media again last night when it popped up. And he was saying, this is not the same. People were saying, hey, they're professionals. They'll get them. And he kind of said, eh, you know, this this guy was really disrespectful to me. There seems to be... I'm I'm surprised the Eagles are even considering this. Uh, you know, that's a team captain. Mm-hmm. It's a Pro Bowl cornerback. It's a good coach. I'm not saying that, especially defensively. And even Darius will admit he's good with X's and O's. But I'm surprised, considering how strong the locker room has been, mm-hmm. that they want to go down this route. So it'll be interesting. Well, th- uh, this is this is sort of the off season of surprise in that regard. And Nick. Sirianni, I think, um, made the statement when he talked about hiring Sean Desai over Denard Wilson. You know, 
sometimes you have to do what you think is best yeah. for the team. That yeah. was not an easy decision for Nick. It was not, you know, a slam dunk. Um, but at the end of the day, he went with a guy who has been an experienced play caller, who's been a defensive coordinator. And he made that decision, John, you know, knowing that Denard, it wasn't going to sit well, well with Denard yeah. Wilson. And as soon yeah. as they announced it, he said, look, we'd still love to have Denard Wilson. So he knew the, the idea of Denard want, not wanting to be there was going to be, was going to happen and the same thing with Darius Slay. Darius Slay might be upset but what's he going to do hold out not play I mean again I think Nick's got a plan I would think he has a plan for if I bring this guy in I got to have a conversation smooth things over and we'll see how it goes from there so you think it was more of Denard Wilson walking away than the Eagles pushing him out the door absolutely absolutely now they may you know listen I mean I I, I he did a great job he didn't get yeah, the job he got he passed did. over for I imagine he expressed disappointment with that. And normally what guys then try to tend to do is see if they can find a different job elsewhere. And maybe that didn't sit well with the organization. I don't know how, how it went or what exactly went down. I know there are some reports out there. I haven't corroborated anything like that. But, I mean, it, it just seemed from the start when Nick volunteered at the podium that Denard, you know, we'd love to have him back, that there was disappointment there that it looked like it was going to be headed down a bad road for, for them being able to, to work it out. Uh, so let's talk about Sean Desai, Jeff. Um, you know, he does have experience. Nick made a big deal out of that. Denard has never been a coordinator before. Um, you know, but Sean's only done it for one year. He's got the, uh, obviously, he's a, a, a direct student of Vic Banjo, and that's the philosophy they want to continue uh, but Denard was in the same philosophy under Jonathan Gannon. <clears throat> Does it just come down to experience? This guy has called plays before, defensive plays, and Denard has it. Is that basically what it came down to? I, you know, I don't know, John, that that was the ultimate factor. You know, I think you go through an interview process too. In some, you, you get as much input as you can from the person you're interviewing background. They had Denard there in the building. They saw that he did a good job. And I believe that's why of all the coaches, he was a finalist, right, for the job. Um, but we know that there's a Vic Fangio influence on this organization, that he's hanging around the org. He could have been the defensive coordinator had things worked out differently. Yeah. Why do you think he was hanging Tommy around so was. much? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah they thought Gannon potentially would get a head coaching job. They were right. They just thought it was going to happen before the Super Bowl, not after, mm -hmm. and Vic couldn't wait around, so he took the Miami job, understandably. So um, it's funny because I think you, John, were like one of the first to sort of point out years and years ago that if somehow Sean McVay like touched your shoulder, you were a, uh, yeah. <laughs> a head coach. And, and it feels like that Vic Fangio is now like the defensive version of that. If you, if you have any connection <laughs> any way to Vic yeah. Fangio, you're automatically going to be a coordinator or head coach candidate. But I think it's important to remember that Sean Desai – came to Chicago under Mark Tressman, who was an offensive head coach, but I believe Mel Tucker was the defensive coordinator at the time. Then shortly it became John Fox, right, who was yeah. one of the best defensive minds in the league. And then it turned over to the Matt Nagy and Vic Fangio regime. So not only has Sean Desai been around Vic Fangio, but to also be around Mel Tucker and John Fox gives him a pretty good library of defensive minds to have learned from and then to go out there for a year in Seattle was good too. So uh, he's going to do things differently, I suspect, than Jonathan Gannon. I, they, all of the, the Fangio acolytes run the same conceptual stuff, but they do things differently. I, I, I believe from what I've seen in his Chicago tape, he's probably a little bit more creative with his fronts, what he does with them, moving linemen around and things like that. Yeah, he likes to do, he likes to line up 
the two pass rushers on the same overload them on Overloads, the same yeah. side yep. uh, to sort of take advantage of, of some weaknesses. But Jeff, here's the thing. Here's my issue. And this is not Sean's fault. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the Eagles are coming off a 70 sack season. I mean, they're not getting 70 sacks next year. So no. the expectations are so out of whack. That's funny. But I feel I, almost I even said, sad for this guy. I even said on the podcast, I feel like Sean's walking into a little bit of a buzzsaw. Oh, First man. of all, oh, yeah. no, no no Eagles fan has actually liked an Eagles defensive coordinator since Jim Johnson. I yeah, mean, that's just a exactly. fact. They've, they tolerated for a, a small stretch there, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Schwartz, right, because he was a name. Uh, but, you know, the sticks defense drove everybody crazy. And then the getting beat over the top drove everybody crazy. They tolerated McDermott for a year because it was a, a really difficult transition to take over from Jim Johnson. Nobody liked Billy Davis, but they knew that Chip's offense wasn't helping him out. But yeah. when's the last time you heard the Eagles fans universally say, I love this defensive coordinator? It's been a long, long time. It's and poor Sean Desai you has to walk into a defense, right, right that gets yeah. remade in an offseason. Yeah. I I do need to ask you about this, the offensive coordinator. If Mm -hmm. the defense coordinator has a really impressive or at least nice NFL resume worked with, worked under, able to tap into experience around the NFL, then you got Brian Johnson, who's a college coach who's been holding Jalen Hurts' hand for the last two years and has a great relationship with the Eagles star quarterback Nick did a pretty good job of selling him the other day. Oh, he's on the headsets during the game with us. He's contributing. He's part of every single meeting. And Brian has given us reasons to do certain things and like, but his experience is certainly limited. Calling plays on a collegiate level is not like calling them on the NFL. Mm-hmm. I'm more scared of, although John and I are Gannon fans, more defenders than detractors. I'm actually more scared of losing Shane Steichen's play calling ability than Jonathan Gannon's defensive system, or what we're not calling it system, John. What are we calling it? Philosophy. Philosophy. I'm, I'm trying right. to not say scheme. I'm trying to say philosophy. Very good. Um, what makes us think Brian Johnson that, that the Eagles aren't going to skip a beat with Brian Johnson taking over the play calling from Shane Steichen? Yeah, I mean, obviously we'll have to see. But here's the difference between the offensive side and the defensive side, right? And why you would promote one but go out of the house the other. First of all, when when the whole thing started, searching started, defensive coordinators, I mean, Vance Joseph was available. Vic Fangio at one point was available. Sean Desai was available. The, the crop of play caller and experience on the defensive side that was available compared to offensive side was was far superior. But to your point, Teams that were interested in Brian Johnson, and there were teams that were interested, were told right from the bat, don't even bother. So I think Nick made this point not in, to or sort of answer your question. Unlike defense, the offense is Nick Sirianni's offense. It stays Nick Sirianni's offense. Even though he's not the play caller, I don't think Nick gets enough understanding of his influence on how the offense is going to be. And he pretty much said that at the combine. And he's like, look, I mean, I, I don't call the plays, but I was hired <laughs> to bring an offense here to Philadelphia and he mentioned himself and Patulo and Stoutland and Brian Johnson, who's been a big part of it too. So there's not nearly as much fluidity on the offensive side in losing Shane Sykin as there was in losing both Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rallis. So that's why a, they felt Brian Johnson was a rising star. Anyway, they loved his development with Jalen hurts. They saw him as a future offensive coordinator uh, and that's why and they didn't really make advanced efforts. I mean, of course, they had to do two interviews 
for um, th- to satisfy the Rooney rule. But one of them was a college kid from Iowa State, Nate Shieldhouse. So, I mean, the, the idea was that they were always going to promote Brian Johnson. And I think eight, to- eight or nine times out of ten when this situation arises, Nick does want to promote in-house. This was just defensively a chance to, to bring in a guy who is, you know, more experienced in that side of the game and then had a great reputation. You know, you bring up Nick Rollis. Um, Jonathan Gannon said something interesting out there, and you were in Indy Mosh, and he said, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was like I made a mistake with Nick yeah. Rollis. I don't know what he was trying to say. Nick got interviewed here uh, from the for the coordinator job, but, you know, you got a promotion. You can't block guys from getting a promotion now anyway. You used to be able in the past if they were under contract, but you can't do that. What do you think he meant by that? I mean, yeah, he made I, him a defensive coordinator. He wasn't going to be a defensive coordinator here. Yeah. I mean, you can only read the tea leaves here. Nick Nick really talked about wanting to keep his coaching staff. Yeah. Um, you know, I, someone mentioned, you know, you, the idea of you don't just take. You know, that he's not. I think it was Nick who said you shouldn't just yeah, take Nick. Yeah. guys. Right. Um, now, Nick took some guys with him from Indianapolis. However, the difference is, <laughs> yeah, the difference is, I don't know if Nick was saying, like, if you're not under contract anymore and you sign with and, and you bring them over, then that's different than if you're under contract and you're asking to be let out of it. Okay. So I think what Jonathan, based on what Shane Steichen said, this is where you really put the tea leaves together. Shane Steichen sort of alluded in his podium interview at the combine to wanting to take some Eagles guys, but he said, you know what? Some guys are under contract and, and you really can only do that. And he said, Nick did a good job of making sure those guys were going to stay in house. So Read of that what you will. Did they get extensions or did Nick just say you're not taking these guys because then we're going to have some problems and I don't want you don't want to have problems with me. And did that sort of is that was that a response to Jonathan Gannon saying he made a mistake? I don't know. It's all tangled up in there. I think I think you can parse it the right way is saying Gannon. What I was what I'm guessing is Gannon did the right thing by giving the guy a promotion which is incredible because Nick Rallis is going to be a 27-year-old defensive coach. 29. Defensive coach, 29. Uh, yeah, youngest, yeah. Youngest, he looks like he's 19. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looks like you're very young. But yeah. but I don't know that he went through the proper protocol. Like, did he tell Nick, this is what I'm going to do, or did it just happen? It sounds like it was all so quick, and maybe he didn't run this up the right flagpoles and at least give the fair warning of what his intentions were. All right, Moshe, I want to uh, move over to the general manager because it is Howie's season. We've officially Mm -hmm. entered it. Uh, And I thought this was tremendous. Maybe the most interesting thing said by either the coach or the general manager in their press sessions out in Indianapolis. Howie admitted that this past season, the Eagles went away from their usual modus operandi when it came to extending contracts. Because they'd gotten off to the good start and the mojo in the building was so good, he didn't want to potentially rock the boat by talking more so to one free agent than another and getting a deal done and then not being able to get another and hurt feelings and the like. Everything he said made sense, but now we have to evaluate it. And they have more free agents than they almost ever have Going into an offseason, he's on record as saying, hey, we're losing guys. We're getting compensatory picks next year. We're not going to be able to keep everybody. Is he admitting defeat? Or do we say? Oh, sure, they- sure. But only, defeat is is relative. I mean, he's admitting defeat as far as I'm not going to be able to bring back all these guys. Uh, he, he knows that. But that doesn't mean he can't find creative and alternative ways to fill holes on the roster. There, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, I asked him, Jody, I 
this is the first time I ever even thought to ask this kind of question. I asked him, are you even going to make offers to all of your free agents, even if they're, you know you can't compete with them, figuring that at least that's what you do. You try your hardest, right? And he said, look, I, I, there's going to be guys who I know I can't even come close to matching, and I'm not going to insult them with some baseline offer, which I thought was a really candid answer from Howie. Really? So we, we can I don't know who those guys are. I mean, we can probably guess, but there are going to be some guys that just are told, thank you so much for your contributions. Appreciate it. I'm not going to insult you. Go out, go get your money. We know we can't pay you. So it's going to be fascinating to see which guys those are. Uh, and it is different because in 2017, he gave out extensions. He gave one to Alshon Jeffrey, who had been signed on a one-year deal. And I think he gave one to Tim Jernigan in the yeah, season and, as well, right? Yeah, in season, yeah. 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 yeah, but he didn't have 18 other guys who were all playing great or, you know, seven or eight other guys, all starters, all playing great, who were – look at that and say, what about me? So there was no worry about sort of interrupting the locker room dynamic there. I, I, I usually look at some things, how he says with a side eye or just a skeptical eye, because you have to, but in that case, I don't think I'm over rationalizing. I think he made the right decision. I think there could have been some real I, like uh, jealousy yeah. and bitterness. If he had done that. I think he did the right decision as well, Moe, but I think there's another added part to it that he didn't mention, and I mentioned this on this show a bunch of times. He had no leverage. All these guys were having career years. Right. You know, right. so they have all the leverage. So while I get how he wants to spin it, and I think he made the right decision and the fact that, well, if I single out T.J. Edwards, Chauncey might say, or vice versa, what about me? Everybody was having a career year. You right. had no leverage as well. So yep. it kind of took care of itself. I'd love yeah, to give Howie is, the credit, but it kind of yeah. took care of itself. This is why Howie, and a lot of good teams do this, they typically, and why Jalen Hurts will get a contract extension this year, they typically like to get their core, their best players, signed after three years, not – in the fourth year, because yeah. they know that once you get that close to free agency, it doesn't make sense for the player to sign. He wants to have the market inflate his price tag. So, uh, and he knew that John probably going into the year because this was a very odd roster construction for him, where he had so many guys come in on one-year deals. Whether it was Bradbury, whether it was White, whether it was Sl uh, not Slay, um, uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. So he, I'm sure he kind of went into the year thinking this is a little bit different than I'm used to. And I'm going to have to just see this thing through and, and, you know, sort of make miracles at the end of the season. All right. The Eagles, like all other good organizations in the NFL, use the combine as part of their evaluation for players that they could potentially draft come April, not the be all end all. Um, but it is part of it. And sometimes mm -hmm. a guy can really flash out there in Indianapolis and grab everybody's attention, including the Eagles. Anybody plash for you, Moshe, uh, sitting home watching some of these workouts and like talking to your sources around the league? Anybody make a step up in their overall standing of potential draft pick status uh, two months out before April rolls around? Anybody jump off the page for you? Uh, a couple of people, but, you know, really it should be said that the, the most important thing for most teams at the Combine, other than the Raiders, who definitely mm. look at 40 times, um, the, it is the medical evaluations. Yeah. Medical, medical, medical. Those medical. are, those are st it's like the yeah. number one priority for a lot of teams. They can tell you that the interviews are really important too. the on-field testing. That's just something that either sends them back to the tape because it didn't match up to what they saw 
or it confirms or what they saw either positively or negatively. Uh, that being said, Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback, there's I, don't try to compare him to any other quarterback that's ever come out. There's no comparison as far as physical capabilities. He's obviously a project. He's a little bit raw, but in the right hands, amazing. But now, do I think the Eagles will take him? No, of course not. But if he becomes a fourth quarterback, Jody, taken in the top nine, that pushes yet another position player who might be a better overall yeah. prospect, right, down a notch. And it leaves, you know, if four quarterbacks go top nine, it leaves six guys who don't play quarterback that the Eagles could choose from. There's two really good pass rushers, and, and we'll see what happens with, legally with Jalen Carter and, and Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson. Those are three. And then the corners. The corners are the ones that interest me the most because I really do think that if the Eagles stay at 10, this could be the year that the drought was a 21-year drought can be broken of not taking a cornerback yeah. in the first round. And what did uh, – I know Witherspoon was good. What did Porter Jr. wind up running? I think he was a little faster than people thought. Well, he's, he's a Penn State guy, so you know, Jeff. I think he ran you know, I had to four, bring that up, four, right? one, four, one, two. That'll be at the pro day, Jeff. We'll run the four, three, of course, three or whatever. Of course. Of course. You know that Penn State gun is a little yeah. itchy there. <laughs> Let me follow up for just a quick second with Mosh uh, in reference to your four quarterbacks in the first nine picks. If Howie had his druthers, would he rather have the four quarterbacks go in the first nine and extra players being pushed down to him for his evaluation to take who he wants. Or would he rather have Richardson available at 10 and nope, entering no the phone, the phone starting to ring off the hook in the back of the draft round. Hey, Owie, yeah, what do you need for that 10th pick? Which do you think he'd rather have the player who should be better than expected because you didn't expect four quarterbacks to go in the top nine and mm -hmm. they could now. Or do you think he'd rather play the Monty Hall let's make a deal game with that 10 pick if one of those four quarterbacks is still sitting there? It's a phenomenal question. And I would say 95% B, have that quarterback be there at 10 so that someone can trade up. Now, the only thing is sometimes there's that player, right, that would, for whatever reason, elite player falls to 9 or 10, you know? <laughs> Either like Aaron Donald falling Will to Will Anderson you know somehow crazy, sitting right? there at number 10. <laughs> right. Yeah. If Will Anderson is there at 10 or Jalen Carter. And hope, right? Right, right, right. Then maybe all bets are off. But, you know, assuming those guys are gone, I think you would love for Anthony Richardson or whoever quarterback to be there, Will Levis, at 10 and be able to orchestrate a trade down. Because really, <sighs> this is not a elite blue chip heavy draft, as I'm told. Um, a lot of people think that it's a strong draft, but it's more – strong on B plus talent than superior future hall of fame talent. So like, like I'm, we're sitting here talking about like Devin Witherspoon as a corner, but there's also Gonzalez Porter jr. Emmanuel Forbes, same thing with some pass rushers There's some good ones and an offensive lineman and the Eagles could use all of that. So I'm sure they would love to stockpile picks, especially since they don't, what is it? They don't have a pick from in round four, uh, five and four, six. Five, or something yeah. Like that? Four, yeah. five, six. It goes. Yeah. That's That'll change. Seven. Yeah, we, that, you could, you could sit change. here right now and say that that is not going to yeah. be the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've heard from a, a couple of different people, Jeff, that, that it's six to eight when you talk about true blue chippers at the top of the draft. Yeah. And if you got four quarterbacks going in the top 10, all of a sudden one of those six to eight, because I don't know if any quarterbacks are in that group. I really don't. That six to eight group. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, the best players in the draft. So that means if you're the Eagles, uh, 
they'd love to get more picks, as you mentioned, but I think they're going to go back from 30. I think that's where they're going to get more picks. I guess the question is, who wants to trade? Usually you trade up to 30 or the last pick or two in the Pendant bottom Hunter, of the first baby. round Pendant for Hunter. a pass rusher, right? Or someone you can have that fifth-year option control yeah. of. And it's usually a project quarterback like they did with Lamar Jackson a few years ago or maybe a yeah. pass rusher. I, you know, So I, I don't know at 30 if someone's going to be there that – is going to warrant someone trading up for, for that, for that extra year of control, but maybe John, I, it, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, but before we get to the draft most, we got to get to free agency. So we kind of mentioned uh, all, all the players the Eagles have to deal with and how he has been above board now twice. He said, Hey, look, prepare yourself. We're going to lose some guys. Uh I think everyone assumes they're going to lose James Bradbury, Miles Sanders, players like that. Um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Javon Hargrave. To me, those are the two guys. They're going to get top-of-the-line deals at their respective positions. I think the Eagles want to keep both. Can they keep both? Sure. Absolutely. You know how we can make money happen um, by – contracts restructuring and and doing things they can keep both and still give Jalen Hurts a an extension um the question is they're not just going to keep both because they like them and just overpay right they're they're they are very yeah that's kind of what I meant will they overpay so someone goes I don't don't think so I mean so I had a very interesting conversation with a pretty high level executive uh from the AFC at the combine I asked him what he thought Javon Hargrave uh, would would command on the on the open market, and he said he felt thirteen to fifteen million a year. Ooh. And I said, well, that seems a little low, you know, yeah. given his sack total, the position that he plays. Um, you know, it was brought to my attention, not that it needs to be. You know, he's not the best run defender in the world. He's also been yeah. uh, injured at times. He's also thir- this will be his third contract. So, if if that's the case, because he's he he got signed by the Eagles on a thirteen million 13, a year deal. Yeah. If his number is between 13 and 15, I think the Eagles can make that happen. But I will say one thing that we, we really need to, and someone organizationally brought this up to me that I didn't even think about time, but Sean Desai might have some preferences here as to what kind of lineman types he wants for his defensive fronts that may differ a little bit from Gannon. I mean, I, deal, I don't know if Gannon ever truly wanted a three technique in the f- version of Cox or Hargrave, but he that's what he had, so yeah. he made it work. Um but at the same time, how he's going to say, look, Sean, like if we lose Cox and we lose Hargrave and we lose, like you're going to have nobody but Jordan Davis and Marlon Tui Pelotu. So you're going to take what I give you. And if we can get this guy at 14 million a year, right, we're going to take Javon Hart and you're going to make it work. But uh, moving on, I, I do think, though, that that was a that was a sort of best case scenario for the Eagles. It would not surprise me at all if J- Javon Hargrave got a 16, 17, 18 million a year deal. And if he does, I think that would make it very hard for the Eagles to keep him as opposed to C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I, look, C.J. is an interesting case because he came to, to the Eagles with sort of a reputation, you know, locker room, not a great locker room guy on the field being kind of a, a pestering. And, and while he seemingly had, a, you know, was, was his all right this year with the Eagles and certainly a great player, you know, I'm sure they weren't real happy about him tweeting anti, that anti-Gannon tweet that he had because the Eagles love Jonathan Gannon. So um, I think they're going to do everything they can to make it work at their number. 
And if it doesn't work at their number, they have the franchise tag at their disposal. They don't usually use the franchise tag. But this case, this is an unusual offseason, so it might warrant it. But they've only got uh, 20-some-odd hours left to slap that franchise tag on them because you got to do it by tomorrow. It's a long That's... time in negotiation business, Okay, Jody. all right. <laughs> you, got, you got bait there, Moshe. I like it. All right, last thing for me. And don't forget Milt Williams at the defensive tackle position. be interesting to see how Sean Desai fits him in because he, he impressed at least me second half of the season as a guy who's very much on the improve. All right, last thing. Anybody do any research on decide disciples from either Seattle or Chicago who are going to be veteran free agents who if the Eagles can't keep their guys because, as John correctly pointed out, no leverage. They're all working on career years. Was there a good guy, middling guy, maybe an underachiever, maybe an injured guy from one of the shy, the, the size former stops that you could see as a fit with the birds? You know, I haven't gotten to that. I feel like maybe you're alluding to someone. Or if you are, no, throw it out. Oh, no, no. Okay. my head. Uh, All right. No, I, I haven't I mean, either. <laughs> just the Bears have to see not... if you've done the work that I haven't done. Neither <laughs> one of us have. That's fine. The Bears haven't really had a great defense since he left. That's and, true. and the Very best true. defensive players they have are sort of young building block players like um, Kyler Wilson and ja- Jaquan Brisker. See, I went, I mentioned somebody else first. Yeah, before you went I went before the Penn State, the Penn State guy, right? guy. That's impressive. Yeah. Um, you know, they got rid of Robert Quinn, so he's already here so yeah. and by the way that is kind of interesting the guy had 18 and a half sacks while sean desai yeah. was yeah. a coordinator i don't so, think he's going to be back but probably uh, not but I, yeah. I felt like throwing it out there and seattle yeah. was a good team last year but defensively i think they were a little bit not so great against the run i, I don't know who they have free agency wise hey um, eagles fans some... are going to love the light boxes Mosh. it's not yeah. changing well it's you know, not we've changing. been seeing that for a while anyway <laughs> yeah. uh inside the birds.com uh Listen to the podcast, Jeff Mosher with Adam Kaplan um, at Inside the Birds on Twitter at Jeff Mosher NFL. Follow Jeff, uh, does a tremendous job. If I, I'm going to, I'll leave you with this. Mm-hmm. Matt Patricia, Mike Pettin, who's going to be linebackers coach? So who's going to be what linebacker? Oh, so I, you know, from what I understand, Mike Pettin's going to wind up staying in Minnesota. Um, he is the assistant head coach there. So he was he was well compensated, and I believe I, I was told the I think he had one year left on his deal anyway. So he'll probably get a that little bit of a bump there. Surprises me because they were bad defensively, and they totally shifted from Ed Donatel, who ran the Pangio scheme, to Brian Flores, mm-hmm. who runs an entirely different scheme. So I'm a little surprised, but Mike's done a bunch of different stuff. So right. Right. Maybe maybe that factors in. He's a good yeah. coach. So I, we I do would... know that that Sean Desai, we were told, wants to have a linebackers coach who has like senior experience. So it might be like you're a linebackers coach slash senior defensive assistant. Also look out for the name Pagano, not Chuck Pagano, John, John Pagano, Pagano, who was yeah. a defensive coordinator for the Chargers while Sirianni was there. Now Sirianni seems to be leaving this to decide, but of course he's gonna have influence on it as well. So that's another name that that uh, came across my my radar there that's why we wanted to have Moshan. he's got good coaching insights and uh rumors and the like oh it's a pleasure most appreciate you jumping in you know we're gonna get you back on in a couple of weeks one free agency gets underway and uh we get to play the rumor game it's always fun doing it with you thanks bud all right fellas have a good one thank you Jeff Thanks, Mosher, Mosher, inside the Eagles.com, inside the Eagles podcast. Inside the birds. birds. Inside Why the do birds. I always say Eagles? My bad. Uh, you got to get that right, McDonald. Inside the birds.com for Jeff Mosher. All right. Inside the birds 365, coming back here in just a couple. Go to get your game on. 
go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action news and AccuWeather. The team you trust. the flow here with my partner johnny mac johnny mac the birds 365 mac and mac guys uh had the week off last week we did 99 straight weeks all right a holiday here they are for one or two days. i got a lot of uh birds 358 jokes Which was, uh, you know what i actually laughed when i saw that i thought that was yeah. that was that was humorous uh but we'll we'll rip off 365 uh going forward from here um, but the calendar gets important and staying on top of the dates and the, the, the deadlines and the like. Most kind of poo-pooed it there that ah, somewhat, there's a long time to negotiate before the transition deadline, which is tomorrow. And I think I think there's more of a chance that they're going to slap the tag on Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. You're, you're more dismissive of doing that because that's Eagles history. They just haven't used it in a decade. 
But if they don't get the deal done with them and they play the game, and you just mentioned great reference by you, Marcus Williams, just last year, that that's the guy they wanted. And guess what? The market outdid them. And they couldn't get the guy they wanted because it went too high. Do they risk that again with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson this year, or do they actually slap the tag on him? Um, they've got till well, what time? Like three o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow. Uh, I think it's four. Um, I forget what the number is. I got to look it up, but, uh, the number for safeties, it's more than Marcus. Marcus got five years, 70 million. So basically 12 million a year. Now things go up every year. The salary cap goes up. Um, here's the problem. 20 million, a pretty damn big increase in the salary cap. Um, the Eagles right now, as we speak, have 5.619 million under the cap. Remember, if you put the tag on them, it counts right away. Right, you have to have so, rule. Yeah, so you have to do other stuff uh, as well uh, to use that. Plus, the Eagles don't want to use it. You know, the worst thing for the Eagles is, what if C.J. Gardner-Johnson turns around and signs it? That's the worst thing. You can use it as a strategy and say, well, we'll just continue negotiating. But if his agent says, you know what? We'll take that 13, 14 million right now. We're going to sign this freaking thing. Then you got that big number on the cap. That's the last thing the Eagles want. Well, That's but, why I don't. But just count. like whether it's signed or not signed, you can always continue to negotiate. It, it immediately. No, goes if he signs cap, it, if he signs it, it's over. If he signs it, you can't sign, uh, uh, you can't rip it up and then sign another. You got to, you got to start the clock over. So if you sign the franchise tag, you're locked in at that number for that year, which isn't that big of a deal from a large perspective. It's a big deal from a cap perspective cap for the because then all that money's on the 2023 cap and the Eagles don't want all that money on the 2023 cap. That's why I don't think they're going to use it. Now, also, Howie's having discussion. So if he says, or we're going to put the cap, we're going to continue to negotiate with Chauncey's agent. He'll have that information. So I don't, he's not going to get blindsided by somebody signing it right away. Um, so there's a small chance, but I would say it's a small chance. All right. It is something we'll be talking about tomorrow. Uh, it was good to get back with all you guys here on Birds 365 today. We will be back tomorrow, guaranteed in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.